From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Yes, Mr. Rob Brook, thank you very much. It's me, it's Mike, and this is Mike Davidson Lives. Thank you for joining me on the first podcast of November 2022. As Halloween has come and gone, uh, get to that here in just a few moments. Uh, and starting this off with a serious note, because uh, I started it off seriously. Last podcast recorded Sunday night, and last week, here in the state of Indiana, Delphi, an arrest was made in the Delphi murders, February 2017th, and uh, that was the uh, murdering of both Abby Williams and Libby German, two teenage girls. They were on a trail and uh, just rocked community, and for five and a half years, it uh, just seemed like a cold investigation, but uh, last weekend, or last week, but I think it was 26th, uh, Richard Allen, 50-year-old in that town, living in plain sight, was taken in for questioning. And now uh, it's been announced at the press conference Monday that he is looking at a charge of felony murder. And that's basically murder that's committed while something else is going on. And not much else was revealed. There's quite a bit of evidence being sealed because they want to save this for the case. Um, but uh, felony murder, of course... Is a very unique charge, and according to some legal uh, experts, there might be some leeway to charge multiple individuals with this case. It, that is, if uh, Richard Allen did not act alone, if he did indeed act upon what he is being accused of. Uh, pretty, pretty serious crime. And the thing is, is Richard Allen, pharmacy tech in that town, I think it's CVS, no criminal history other than a few speeding tickets and a citation for not wearing a seatbelt. So this is a very interesting situation. We'll see what uh, transpires here. And hopefully justice for these families that have just been uh, suffering for the better part of half a decade now. And it's just, that is tragic. But uh, some, some movement in that investigation. Okay, um. Moving on to the fact that uh, we are now past Halloween. The girls loved it. Uh, Christmas is upon us. They're excited about that, and I'm sure the boy is too. Um, now, it's, and again, I mentioned this last podcast, or maybe it was two podcasts ago. My thanks to Halloween for becoming overly, overly commercialized, and people not just buying candy, but going out and buying, you know, their own costumes, decorations, everything. It's almost become like mini Christmas because. I think that pretty much blunted uh, early Christmas like we used to see back in the day. Like, oh, the stores are just getting out the Christmas trees. It's Labor Day weekend, right? Um, you don't see that as much anymore. I mean, you see the uh, the stuff going up like toward the end of October. I kind of get that. Not No big deal. Um, but like as soon as it uh, turned midnight, you know, the next day, you know, turn on the weather channel, one commercial stops at, as I borrow an old radio term, uh, it, uh, <laughs> it it was like two or three Christmas commercials in in that thing. And it's like, this is going to be uh, the next two months. And uh, Lord help you if you're going to a department store and you hear Mariah Carey, you know, pray for those retail workers. Okay, and I, I may mention about uh, that last weekend going to the Colts Commanders game. Uh, Daniel Snyder may be selling Washington here. That's kind of a breaking story from earlier today. See how that plays out. But uh, 
Colts ended up losing to Washington after a uh, you know late game collapse. They were up nine. They lose by one. And Marcus Brady, their offensive coordinator, uh, pretty much fallen on the sword here. He was fired yesterday. Um, he was an offensive coordinator for the team for like two years. Uh, been involved with the organization for about five years. And I feel bad for him because uh, Jim Ursay announced this firing. And, you know, he's trying to be cordial about it. But he ends he ends his little tweet with a thumbs-up emoji. And, yeah, it's bad form. And I know a lot of people were kind of uh, chiding Jim Ursay for that. I'm not going to defend him for that. You probably should have just left... Uh, the PR team on the Colts' uh, website and social media accounts handle this one. Step aside, Jim. You don't need to show everybody your hands-on with your big thumbs up here. And uh, you know, it's just basically you got this. Uh, we we wish you the best. Got this. And but privately speaking, you know how like um, you know, somebody gets let go at the place that you're working at. You check email, and they say like Jim Jones no longer works here. Uh, but we wish him all the best in his future endeavors. And you know damn well they really don't. Uh, and they just, they're just they just saying that to make it sound like, hey, we're a family and all that. I mean, Jim Ursay pretty much did that with the thumbs up emoji. That's that's all I'm hinting at here. Uh, that was just basically a um, public future endeavor. Uh, so think about that next time uh, there's some layoffs where you work at. Uh, it kind of keeping with the football, maybe the uh, Halloween theme here. Uh, uh, Roger Goodell might be seething at Jerry Jones because over the weekend, Halloween weekend, Jerry Jones was spotted with family and friends celebrating uh, Halloween, and uh, he was dressed up as a blind referee. And I think this is funny. I think a lot of people, I mean, it's not too often that people are amused with what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys without the Cowboys themselves being a joke, right? Uh, but I think every football fan, regardless of your team affiliation, does feel that way sometimes. The referees, eh, they, they miss calls, right? Well, uh, there's rumor that uh, he could be fine for that because it does put the NFL in a bad light. And knowing Roger Goodell, him being very, very humorless, it could happen. But I hope it doesn't. Uh, Deadspin did kind of bring up something uh, because I think the Cowboys have a bye week going into this weekend, and then next weekend they play the Packers. You know, referees might have an axe to grind with Jerry with this, and they might miss a few calls. Ooh, and that's that's pretty much the implication now that they're six and two, and you know, hunting da down an, an NFL playoff spot here. Look, Jerry Jones doesn't have to put on a costume to irritate the referees either. Uh, Either they're going to make a call he likes or not. And uh, he'll be pissed off about it if they don't make a call he likes. Um, yeah, it, that really doesn't mean anything. And, and besides, we all know historically the Dallas Cowboys like to collapse and stuff. So, not a big deal. A uh, big deal right now for baseball fans is the World Series. And uh, last night, Phillies had a big, uh, uh, big night at the plate. Hitting multiple home runs, winning game three. Not so much tonight. Uh, they got no hit in their own home. And now it's tied up to a piece. And yeah, I, I really haven't been following baseball as much as I used to back in the day as a kid. Uh, but, you know, I've been watching these games. And uh, I've, I've kept in mind how much the game has changed since the last time. I've really, really, really loved watching it. And... Uh, 
Yeah, I know baseball fans also gripe about a lot of the rule changes that are going to be put into place next year. I can't help but think uh, that this would be a great suggestion for baseball. Okay, hear me out. And, and I'm coming at it from a football standpoint and, and a hockey standpoint. Uh, you know, football's got scoring, but, you know, it's got some hits, so to speak. Hockey's low scoring, but it too can be brutal. Maybe... Maybe that's what you play up in baseball. And I'm not talking like um, having like bench-clearing brawls every time a call doesn't go right or somebody gets hit by, hit by a pitch. No, what I'm talking about, um, the rule I have in, uh, in mind here is if the ball is hit, if the ball is in play in the field and you got base runners, right, the outfielders can run in and tackle the base runner to slow things down and make things a little more interesting, right? And and better yet, okay, so so like uh, the outfielders can do it from uh, first to second, second to third base. You know, help out their infield if uh, if they don't have to go and hunt down the baseball. Say like the right fielder has to go back and uh, you know make the play. Center fielder can come in and make the tackle. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so you know, uh, first to second, second to third. <laughs> You, you make that the outfielder's territory, and uh, the pitcher will cover first and third. Uh, uh, first, uh, home plate to first and third plate, uh, third base to home plate. Uh, yeah, cause I don't want, uh, we can't have the catcher do this because we don't like cripple anybody. Catcher's got too much gear on and hitters, and yeah, they don't, they don't have as much gear. Plus, they're like right by the plate, so it's, you know, they can just like hold them. But, yeah, it would make things a little more interesting. And I know some people are like, well, what about concussions? What about helmets? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Hey, hey, we'll work all that out in the long run. But you can't help but think that's intriguing. Uh, you know, somebody uh, hitting the ball deep, thinking they got a double, and here comes the center fielder to knock him on his ass and uh, possibly buy some time for the infield. A little strategy here. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to protective gear, though, you can work that out later on. And, and by the way, uh, helmet to helmet or ball cap to helmet, not allowed either. We'll, we'll keep it in fairness to the NFL. You know, just make baseball a little more violent, and uh, you might solve a lot of issues here. Uh, Elon Musk is looking to solve a lot of issues um, with Twitter, and, yeah, he's already bought it. And people are already bitching about it because uh, he's basically dissolved the board. So he's the only guy that's running it right now. And a lot of these people are very uncomfortable with him having information, you know, all their personal stuff. I get it. Look, I understand if uh, you're a little squeamish about one dude possibly having your information and banking on it. But can I ask you a question? Uh, do you think that this board wasn't doing that already? Do you think it was just like this fair, just, democratic board that uh, Jack Dorsey kind of whipped up? Or do you think they, these guys and gals were all involved with their own businesses, their own governments, whatever, and were using that individual all amongst each other, sharing that information to make themselves a little more profitable? It really hasn't changed all that much other than the, the number of people looking at your data. And now it's just one person as opposed to whatever. It's it's not that big a deal. And if you don't want to be on Twitter, that's fine. And uh, there's a lot of people pissed off that Elon Musk is uh, running Twitter down because that means, you know, uh, not everybody has to agree to the same 
uh, mindset on Twitter. Uh, some of the big-time celebrities that have uh, left Twitter, uh, Alex Winter, you know, you know Alex Winter from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and Bill and Ted are old again. Yeah, he's left Twitter. Uh, Shonda Rhimes from Grey's Anatomy, she's, she's gone. Sarah Bareilles with that one song that everybody remembered from about 10 years back. She's left. So, so like I said, all the major celebrities have left um, <laughs> because they don't want to put up with... Uh, uh, the rowdies. It's it's not like they have a block feature on their account or anything, right? Yeah, so they're gone, and and uh, the blue check marks are getting all worked up about this needlessly, and I will explain again why. I mean, uh, Elon Musk. Uh, it was initially reported that he was considering a twenty dollar a month blue check mark uh, package, where you can keep your blue check mark status for twenty bucks a month. It's kind of a subscription. And uh, all the celebrities, all the news organizations, all the journalists were like, rubble, 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 right? Uh, he has since dropped that to 8 bucks an hour. So it looks a little more affordable to the Kardashians, right? But again, people are still bitching about it. Uh, Stephen King is saying that Twitter should be paying him for all the content he provides. And it's not, it's like, dude, you're not putting a 600-page novel on Twitter, Okay. You're just tweeting your thoughts and opinion. Nothing more. Some people might like it. Others might roll their eyes at it. It's not that big a deal. And it's Stephen King. He's worth a few dollars. He can afford the blue check mark thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you're looking back, and Elon Musk also brings up a pretty good point. I mean, aside from advertising, you got to find ways to generate revenue anyway. And everybody that's got this blue check mark thinks they're entitled to it because they're important and that paying for it is beneath them. And don't and don't even try using the First Amendment thing because you could still have an account for free on Twitter. That's not being uh, yanked away from anybody. But uh, this this caste system blue check thing, it's, it's going to be a little different. Maybe this makes Twitter better. Maybe Twitter goes down in a huge flaming car crash. Who knows? Either way, I'm entertained by it. I'm just, I love watching these sort of things play out. Okay, uh, one thing I'm kind of watching play out in California, and yeah, as you know, uh, they've legalized marijuana. But this is a cautionary tale. No, it's not because I think it's the devil's lettuce. It's because I don't think politicians are ever, ever, ever going to be responsible for money. And the next time, and, you know, like, like if you're a pro-pot advocate, that's fine. The next time anybody uses the argument, think of all the tax revenue we can make from this. Tell them to shut the hell up. That's not a good reason to legalize something because people who aren't good get their hands on that cash. And there's a lot of graft that's going on. So what I'm talking about is this uh, article I found from Reason Magazine talking about how the state of California is now spending more money on the war on drugs than it did when pot was illegal. And they're spending it to fight illegal marijuana. Because now uh, they're trying to bust up all these pot grows and they're using stuff like uh, environmental regulations, like the chemicals they use to grow the marijuana, uh, getting into runoff and water. Uh, they're talking about how it's not some of the labor's not union friendly. <laughs> 
um, they're talking about how like this is basically like bootlegging, like moonshine in a way, you know, because uh, it's under the uh, radar of government and somebody is trying to make something a profit without reporting to Uncle Sam. And they're spending more money to fight against these illegal pot grows than they did when there were illegal pot grows because they're losing money over this. It's almost a, a cautionary tale. Uh, like, um, once government becomes both competitor and regulator, all bets are off. And it's, uh, I wonder if you can apply this to any other thing aside from marijuana. Hmm. I don't know. I'll leave that up to, uh, to your imagination. But who could have saw this, seen this coming, right? I mean, it's just, it's as plain as day. It, it, they'll do this with anything, not just marijuana. They'll use uh, casinos. Oh, if we legalize gambling in the state, think of all the tax revenue it's going to bring in. Really? I mean, I I know Gary's got a couple of casinos up around its uh, neck of the way, and uh, Gary, Indiana, is not exactly a boomtown here in Indiana. It's uh, It's been struggling for like the last 50 or 60 years, for crying out loud. Anderson's got a casino. Um, Anderson, not a really a happening place outside of that casino so again the pot thing if you want it legalized just say hey you know it's great for helping cancer patients uh, just say hey I want to get stoned on a Friday night and watch something trippy that's it keep the politicians out of it that's that's it and California well California's going to California okay so I uh, you know, I talked about how thin-skinned Twitter guys were last week, and I've talked about how thin-skinned a lot of people are nowadays. And, um, you know, a lot of thin-skinned people in comedy. Maya Rudolph, you know, and she is a very talented actress. I mean, I, I did laugh at some of the stuff she did on Saturday Night Live last time I watched Saturday Night Live back in the day. I, I, I'm kind of thinking that she falls in the thin-skinned category. Um because she said in a recent interview, uh, she was talking about another interview years back uh, on the late show Dave Letterman about how Dave Letterman humiliated her in front of a national audience. And uh, she talked about how how she was just uh, distraught. How could you do this? I worshipped you uh, as a little girl. You know, you, you know, you're my hero growing up. You're a comedic legend. I mean, just she felt belittled. And the terrible thing he did was he mispronounced her name. Instead of just saying Maya Rudolph, he was saying Amaya Rudolph. And I had to listen to this clip of him in this interview with her a couple of times just to catch it because it's just like it's really, it's not that pronounced, Amaya Rudolph. Uh, so, and then uh, he had the audacity later on in the interview, you're not going to believe this. She was so distraught. Then he said, I just found out I mispronounced your name. I'm very sorry. You know, I'm, I'm a complete boob. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Can you believe the balls on this guy to apologize, right? But she's still carrying this around like uh, all these years later. And it's it's not a big deal, Maya. I mean, okay, Letterman goofed. It's You're going to live. You're going to be okay. In fact, you seem like you're doing okay. Um... And I, I can say this, as somebody who's been in radio, I've mispronounced tons of names. And I've had people mispronounce my name. 
and, and you'd be surprised uh, how hard it is to remember Mike or Michael for that matter. Uh, I spent the better part of my radio career in the booming metropolis that is Kokomo, Indiana. Actually, it's not a bad town. I, I loved living there. There's some uh, some pretty nice people down there. But uh, every year there's this thing called the Haynes Apperson Festival, and it celebrates the town's automotive heritage. And there's a parade, and it ha generally it happens the first weekend of July, uh, just around Fourth of July. So it gives us an excuse to you know set, set off even more fireworks. But there's a parade like every Saturday afternoon that it's held, and our station would get in it. And I remember one year, our procession getting up to the grandstand, and one of the guys uh, who's been in the station multiple times, local business guy, uh, I think he's in politics now, but you know, a guy that's been involved um, with our station with multiple events for years has seen me in the hallway, and every now and again we would talk a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's introducing everybody in the, the menagerie, if you will. And then when he gets to me, he goes, and Matt Davidson. Um, kind of paraphrasing here, but uh, he said he called me Matt. And, of course, I got a few chuckles. And uh, ever since then, I've been a raging alcoholic depressed. Okay, not really. Uh, but it was, it was just kind of like, what the hell, dude? And But it didn't bring me down, is what I'm bringing up, bring up here. No, there, there's plenty of other things in my life that kind of bring me down on occasion. Um, but that, that that's just some of the stuff that, uh, that happens when you try to make it in um, the industry of radio, and I would imagine TV. And... Yeah, again, Maya Rudolph being upset about Letterman goofing on her name or messing up. I mean, it wasn't like it was deliberate. If it was deliberate, that'd be one thing. I just think he genuinely messed up. And Dave Letterman has messed up on countless things. I, I think it's okay to forgive him on this one here. Not that it's a big raging war crime. Uh, that's what Taylor Swift has recently committed. She's got the new album out. She's got the songs out. Everybody's listening to them. She's a success. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, I, and I don't really hate on her success so much uh, as I do just getting her fans riled up sometimes because they, too, seem humorless. Uh, kind of like uh, Maya Rudolph or uh, Roger Goodell, right? Um, but uh, the new uh, video to Antihero, uh, where it's basically talking about some of the uh, image issues that Taylor has dealt with in the industry throughout her career. And there was a scene where she was standing on a scale... And the scale, you know where the numbers are? Yeah, everybody does. And everybody just goes, man. Uh, the scale just says fat. And it's supposed to be kind of a, a dark humor, satirical dig on some of the perceptions that, and some of the pressures that she was feeling in the industry. Well, a lot of people are now labeling that fat phobic, even though she was basically making the point that... Uh, Hollywood and the music industry is image driven and this is what you feel like half the time uh, but you know you have all these um, uh, media outlets who think they know better uh, calling her fat phobic for doing this she shouldn't have done this she should have known better and now that scene has been cut out of the, uh, the video and she should not have done it and this is where I do that unlikely thing and defend Taylor Swift it's art it's supposed to have some bite it's supposed to have a jab 
And if you don't get that the jab is meant for somebody else, i.e. the industry, and you think it's directed at you, well, uh, you're the one that has the problem here. Seriously. I mean, she's she's basically kind of just uh, riffing. And she's just, and this is, like I said, this is like one of those rare times I do defend her. Uh, because, I mean, this is so asinine. You can't keep editing your art just to appease people that are offended. Because if you keep doing that, there's nothing for anyone to talk about. She should have left that in. And she should have just explained it on her press junkets and interviews and all that other stuff. No need to apologize. I'm getting sick and tired of people apologizing for everything. And it's not to say you can't apologize. I'm just saying that this is not one of those things you apologize for. It. And if she, I tell you what, if she left it in, it would have been a very rock star move. Big time. Uh, but again, she's got to appeal to the Swifties and... Um, if you uh, criticize them or Taylor, he, only Swifties can t criticize Taylor. By the way, you know that's that's why they were upset about the fat phobic thing. I don't get it. Okay, uh, one guy that's uh, vocally criticizing people is Matt Healy. You know who that dude is? Yeah, I had to Google him too. Uh, apparently, he is a, a singer for a band called the 1975, a pop band. And, by the way, this is probably the most pretentious name for a rock band ever. The 1975. Uh, and uh, they were kind of talking to him about Stranger Things. Because if there were two songs this past summer that got a big time revival, uh, one would be Running Up the Hill from Kate Bush, which is a good tune, and Master of Puppets from Metallica, which is basically the free bird of metal. It's a, it's a freaking eight-minute-long song, man, and it just jams. It rocks, and uh, anytime I hear it, I crank it up in the uh, the car. And they were asking him about that, and he got all pissy and said that, that Metallica was the worst band ever. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, it sounded this band, boys. Uh, the 1975 lead singer uh, does not like you. I mean, it's one thing not to like a band, because I can't say I like every rock band that's out there, and neither can you, so don't even try. Um, and if, if Metallica's not his cup of tea, that's one thing, but to say that they're the worst band ever, when basically uh, they are the Rolling Stones of metal, and they made metal more accessible to the listening public, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of a moron. Um, I, I can think of several bands that are worse than Metallica, to be honest. Uh, I will say this, though. Like, the hardcore Metallica fans are pretty obnoxious. And and if you're a Metallica fan, I'm not saying you are obnoxious. Let's not have a Taylor Swift fat-phobic moment here. What I'm saying is um, there are some Metallica fans that are so critical of the band, they think the band sold out when they put out Kill 'Em All. How dare you put out an album, right? That's what I'm getting at here. I mean, it's it's one thing to bitch about, like, okay, St. Anger sucked. We all agree. Most of us agree. Don't send me messages saying how I'm wrong and I need to give it another listen. No, 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 no. Um, but to just say that uh, a whole band sucks is just, it's crazy like that, especially with the impact that they have had. And again, I don't have to Google any of the names of Metallica to know who they are. Uh, the 1975 Matt Healy, that's a whole different ballgame altogether. <laughs> They're the worst band ever. <laughs> yeah, alright.
right, well, with that all said and done, uh, that's it for me. Until next time, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.